0: Okay, that was wonderful. It's a delight to have Michael and Margaret Green from Beacon Light Church in Beaconsfield uh, sharing the word with us. And you can introduce your wife and what's happening. And if you want to share something. This is my wonderful wife, Margaret. I think she's gonna give a shout out to some people. Well, it's um, great to be here this morning with uh, Redemption Church. And I just want to do a quick shout out to Beacon Light Church. Hi everyone. Um, Also to uh, my family from Switzerland who are joining us today. Uh, Jay and Fabian and uh, my grandson Tane, and my family from Australia and New Zealand as well. Kia ora. <laughs> Very good. Okay, thank you Margaret. Well, good morning everyone. It's good to be with you. I remember the last time I ever thought I was going to get filmed was 15 years ago. I went to a church where they were into their media and film, back when cameras were probably 10 times the size that Johan's got there now. And they'd filmed in the morning. I thought, oh, they're going to film me at night. Never been filmed before. That'll be exciting. Got there, and all the cameras were packed away. And so I shouted out to the guy in the sound said, what's the story? Not good enough to film? And he shouts back, you've got a face for radio, mate. <laughs> and I thought, that's nice, isn't it? So I've never asked again if anyone's going to film me after that. But it's good to be sharing with you this morning. And... Uh, the thing I want to share that's on my heart today actually came out of a devotion that I had just a couple weeks ago. I often, when I drive into work, and lately I've been working uh, up the coast in Olveston and Burnie, I um, have quite a bit of drive time. So I just pray for the Holy Spirit to drop a scripture into my heart, and then I'll just pray into that and see what he wants to say to me, and then even add scriptures to it that uh, he wants to add to that. And then at the end of this time, one particular morning, I'd preached to myself. I don't know if you've ever done that before. It's not a sign of madness. But uh, I preached to myself, and I thought, that's a really good message, and no one's hearing it but me. Maybe God was thinking the same. You need to hear it. And I said to myself, I think Russ might ask me to preach this. It just seems like I've preached myself a message. I've preached a storm up in the car, no one's going to hear this. And uh, I thought, I won't ask him, because that's a bit bit too bold, isn't it? And two days later, Russ rang me and said, would you like to speak? And I said, yes. I've got this devotion that was on my heart uh, a couple of weeks ago. But I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is always speaking, isn't he? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that he has said to you. And he just constantly, I believe, wants to be speaking to us. It's a communication. It's a a love language. It's a love relationship where we speak, where he speaks. And he wants to communicate his heart to us. And as he did just a couple weeks ago, scripture came to me. And I'll share that in a few moments. And then other scriptures came to me and that really encouraged me this day because... The thing is, he knows exactly where you're at. And I was having a bit of a whinge this day to myself. I shouldn't have been having a whinge because things were going pretty good on the whole. And the scripture that dropped into my heart was this. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not in the next day or week's time, but today rejoice in the day that you have. See the good that's in the day. And so that was the theme that came through to me. It's interesting in the Bible that the first disciples were called people of the way. They were being directed in a direction. And just the same for us today. We are still people of the way in that the Holy Spirit is wanting to be speaking to us, directing us and encouraging us and inspiring us. In Psalm 119:105, 105, it says, His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In that a lamp to my feet that we know in whom we stand upon, in this uncertain times these shaky times as those who believe in Jesus we have a firm foundation we have a rock that we stand upon and that is Christ Jesus but not only that he also shows us the way forward how to lift ourselves out of circumstance situations even emotionally or mentally things we're going through he shows us through scripture how to overcome those things in so many wonderful ways in Hebrews 4:12, he tells us the word of God is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword Dividing joints and marrow, soul and spirit. That's quite deep when you think about it, that he can unpack any part of your life. He heard me whinging in the car, so the moment I ask him for a word, he gives me one to say, Hey, Mike, I don't think you've got a lot to whinge about. This is the day I've made. Who's made it? God's made it. Rejoice and be glad in it. Celebrate the day that you're living in right now. He knows you intimately. He knows who you are. He knows how to unpack you. That's quite a scary thing for some of you, maybe even listening to this today, that he knows how to unpack you to get to the real you. The Bible says in Romans 12 2, that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That word conformed literally means to masquerade. And I remember for many years I used to masquerade. There was an image I wanted to portray when I had a motorbike and cool gear, leather gear, and there was a cool sort of scene that I wanted to be in, to be this person that I thought people might like me more if I was. But that was conforming to the pattern of this world. It was masquerading something I'm not. And uh, when I gave my life to Jesus, he showed me I could be who he's created me to be. He loves me for who I am in him. So we don't need to masquerade. We don't need to be something that we're not. But it says there in Romans uh, 12.2 there, that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed has always encouraged me because it means the change, literally, the metamorpho from a a caterpillar to a butterfly. And if if you'd never seen a butterfly or caterpillar before and someone said, this becomes this, you'd never believe them, would you? Something so beautiful from something so ugly and plain. And yet that's the difference he can make in our lives. He can transform our lives to be the people that he wants us to be. So powerful is his love, his name. So powerful is his word. In Psalm 119 verse 130, just focusing on the word, because I wanted to encourage you all in the word, because I'm sure all of you this week, or even today, will have times by yourself where you can invite the Holy Spirit to speak a word to you, something he wants to say from his heart to you, of how much he loves you. And in Psalm 119, 130, it says, The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. The unfolding of your word. That word, unfolding, means disclosure. It actually is a bit like, you know, governments, they have secrets, if you didn't know. And they'll only disclose those secrets maybe 50 years down the track, when it's too late or everyone's dead to care about what they did with government and the secrets. And that's what that word "disclose" means. Something that was hidden, now revealed. His word, he wants to reveal something of himself to you today from his word. And that excites me to think we worship a living God. This is a living word and he wants to speak into our hearts today of who he is. Something once hidden, now revealed. In Psalm 36.9 it says, In your light we see light. In your light we see light. There's so many amazing depths of the light of God. It's like when you step into trusting and giving your heart to Jesus, accepting him as your Lord and Savior, you come into that relationship where he forgives you, you repent, you turn from your sin, you acknowledge him as your father and you start this love relationship and then you walk into this relationship and in that light you see light. I remember some years ago, two years ago, I went uh, for a bushwalk with my daughter. She is super fit, like scarily fit, not a you know, an ounce of fat on her body, got abs, and, and I said to her, just sort of bragging one day, let's do a bush walk that I did when I was 16 in Tasmania to Frenchman's Cap. I was a bit overweight like I am now, hadn't walked much, wasn't pack fit. I said, let's do it. And uh, we were the first hour into this walk, and I was literally almost thinking I'm going to need a helicopter or <laughs> something. I, it's like I was out of breath, and uh, I saw for the first time the power of energy drinks, Luckily, she had a whole lot of energy drink and she kept pouring it into my camel to give me energy to get up the next hill, you know, roll down the next one and then up the next one. And uh, it was a three-day walk and literally, nearly killed me. But at one point in the walk, we were in the forest and we were climbing and every step, it wasn't just a normal, if you've been through Cradle Mountain, they have a lot of uh, board you can walk on. It's really easy. But this one, every step was like this and you've got a pack on your back and you're trying to get yourself up and I was just dying. And then we finally got up to this rise and for the first time we saw Frenchman's cap and there was like a wow, it was like even my daughter who's done a lot of walking, she was blown away by the magnificence of Tasmania and the mountain landscape that lay before us and uh, it just hit me the other day that even though I was in the valley and struggling, I got to that place where there was that wow moment and I believe in His light we see light. As you keep pressing on with God, you'll have your valley moments, your tough moments, but it'll always bring the wow moments. And my daughter still remembers the wow moment. And this is the thing. The wow was always there to be had if we trust in Him and want and desire to build relationship with Him. The wows are always going to be there. Yeah, there'll be the valleys, but the wows will be there because in His light we see light. The other amazing thing was in the days that we were there was that uh, no one had got a view of the, from the top of Frenchman's Cap at all when we'd been there over three days. And we were climbing and I was saying to God, God, would you give me a view? This is almost killing me. And uh, it was actually, I'd, I'd done a lot of bushwalking, but I hadn't done some for many years. I'd never pushed myself to the point where I was not only shattered, I was emotionally shattered by pushing myself so hard. And the reason I did that was because I wanted that moment with my daughter on the top of that mountain. I didn't. She said to me, Dad, if you want, I can see you like you really, you've had it. Just lie down and die. No, she didn't say that. She said, just lie down and uh, suck on some energy drink. I'll go and summit because I want to see the view. Then I'll come back for you. And I thought, you know what? I said, no way. I don't want this to be about this moment that I miss with my daughter ascending that mountain. So I climbed to the top, had an emotional breakdown, got a hug from my daughter because she could see I was just a mess from all the extreme. And we just enjoyed the 360-degree you know, view from Frenchman's Cap. And then we started to walk down and the cloud came in again. And we found out later that no one in the three days that we'd been there had got a view from the top of Frenchman's Cap. And I thought, wow, that's sad. But uh, thank you, Jesus, for giving us that view. But as we were heading down from Frenchman's Cap, a single climber, a young guy, was coming up. And uh, we knew he wasn't going to get a view. He wasn't going to get a view at all. And it really just... As I thought about it later, it just reminded me, you know, some of you even watching this today, you haven't had a view of Jesus yet. You haven't experienced his love yet. You don't know what he did for you. You haven't felt that yet when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, that he did that for you. He shed his life for you because we were unworthy of being received by our Heavenly Father because of our sin. So Jesus took our sin upon the cross 2,000 years ago. The Father sent his Son to die for us. In our place, so that he could open up that new and living way that if we accept him by faith and if we turn from our sin and repent, we can have a relationship with the Father who loves us intimately. And I I was so moved by the fact this guy coming up the hill, he wasn't going to get a view. But you know what? Every one of us listening to this today, you can have a view of Jesus today if you desire it in your heart. All you've got to do is pray that prayer Jesus, would you give me a view of who you are? Would you show me how much you loved me, how much you died for me, and how much you want a relationship? Because he doesn't want us going through this life with no view. What would be life without a view? But every day, every one of us, even if you're a Christian, you can wake up every day and get a new view of how much Jesus loves you, how much he wants relationship, how much he wants to speak to you through his word. In his light, we see light. You can expect to hear him. He longs to communicate his heart with you. He wants to know you. You know, I grew up when I was younger, as most of you would. You know, academia is pushed today. Knowing God, when I say He wants you to know Him, mostly we think of academia. Do I have to memorize a scripture? Do I have to know the Bible backwards? Is it something academic? And that comes from Greek philosophy. Our academic system today comes from the Greeks, philosophy, academia, and using our intelligence to know things. And it's good to know things. I'm not saying it's not. But when the Bible speaks about knowing him, it's, the word literally means to know him personally by experience. To feel his love. Like I married my beautiful wife because we enjoy moments where we can hold hands, we can embrace, we can hug, we can cry, we can laugh. There's an experience to be had. And so there is with Jesus. There's an experience to be had in him. In John eight thirty one and 32 says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know by experience the truth and the truth will set you free. That word know, to know, means to be allowed to be aware. See, we need to invite Jesus into our hearts so he can make us aware of who he is. So that word know means to allow to be aware, to feel I can remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I didn't really understand what it was all about, but I'd, I just felt his love. I knew he loved me. The Jesus I'd been hearing about, he loved me. This word know means to perceive, to be resolved. I had things resolved in my life, that there was a God, that my life could mean something in him, that my life could serve him and have a, a, a purpose to it. It means to be sure. It means to understand all of those definitions come out of that word, no. The opposite of that is quite simple. Hidden, ignorant, unaware. And the Bible says that God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot acknowledge God or see God. And so if you're here today listening to this and you don't know Jesus, you can just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. He's a big God. He can do that. I Actually, you don't need to persuade you in the sense of, Make him real to you because he wants to make himself real to you himself. He's a big God. All you've got to do is invite him in. So who wouldn't want to spend time with Jesus? Who wouldn't want to spend more time? And if you know Jesus this morning, I'd encourage you, make it a day-to-day relationship. This was the theme that came through to me the other day was, so often we can make it a every-other-day relationship or a weekly relationship, maybe on a Sunday or fortnightly relationship. I believe in his word. He teaches us that he wants a day-to-day relationship with us. This is the day the Lord has made. Psalm 118.24, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I spoke that to myself as I was driving in the car, got myself all excited about what God was saying to me. And then I thought, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe people look in their rear vision mirror, think, who's this guy? I can see him talking to himself. But it's interesting in Psalm 42.5, David says this to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. So even David communicated to his own soul. He knew this is how he felt, but he wasn't going to allow his feelings and emotions to detect, to, you know, determine his day. He was going to allow the Word of God and his love for God to determine how his day was going to look. And you know what, friends? I guarantee if you're like me, we've listened to a lot of TV about coronavirus over and over and over. And that can even cause anxiety and fear because we're watching it over and over. Are we watching that more than we're reading the Word of God and spending time in God's presence? Are we watching that more than we're listening to worship songs and allowing His presence to come upon us? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. You set your mind to it. If you don't, your emotions will run riot. But David knew how to make the flesh submit to the Spirit. And as he did that, God revealed his truth to him. The Holy Spirit wants to remind you of everything that he said to you. Don't wait for another day. Don't wait for a Sunday. Every day, every day, allow the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you. You know, as far as planning for the future, we do need to plan some things. It's quite good to plan for the future. You can plan your financial future. You can plan to get fit. You could have goals and dreams and all of that sort of thing. But I think what I sensed in my spirit today, I was preparing this, is that the danger is if we live in the future, we miss today. What is the good thing today that God wants to do? Who does God want to encourage through you today? What email do you need to send? What person do you need to ring up? Well, you know, what is it God wants to do in this day? And so often I lived my life by I remember when I was young, I had a horrible job that I hated working in a factory. And I lived for the holidays. So my whole life as I was working in this job was living for the future holiday. You don't need to live like that because this is the day the Lord has made. And when you open yourself up to this day, the Holy Spirit will show you what can be done today for him and and how he can be worshipped and how you can live your life out in relationship with him today. Don't live just in the future, live in today. Waiting for the better job, waiting for the holiday, waiting for more money, waiting for when you think you'll be happy. No, today can be the day, amen, when you've realized Jesus is with me. Christ in me, the hope of glory, he's with me now and here today. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's with you and he's in you today. He's not waiting for tomorrow. He wants you to do something, have relationship today. Spend time with him today. This is the day the Lord has made. Don't miss the joy of what's in this exciting day. Remember the Lord has made it. In James 4, 13, it says, now listen. Are you listening, everyone? As Russ said, don't make a cup of tea right now. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Boasting about tomorrow, always planning for what is tomorrow. Live for today. And even in the last few weeks, as I've been applying what the Holy Spirit showed to me, in my life, I found each day has a greater joy. I see the purpose in the people I relate to. I see more purpose in the work that I do. I'm praying for my work situation that I'm in. And uh, I just see God's hand and God's purpose in the day. Because it is the day that he's made. Rejoice and be glad in it. In Matthew six thirty-four, it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, God gives us good reason, doesn't he? Stop thinking about tomorrow. Focus on today. See what it is God wants to do in your life today and how he wants to minister to you and give you Victory in areas of your life where you may be struggling. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Well, today you can pray, Lord, your word tells me do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace there is supernatural peace. You can't buy that stuff. If you could, it would be a trillion dollar business. The peace of God literally speaks about peace that ascends or is above or beyond normal, rational or believable ability. That's what the peace of God is to you. So things might be crazy around you, but you've got the peace of God in your heart. You just have this settledness that God loves me and everything's okay. And we're going to get through whatever it is we're dealing with. The peace of God. You know, depression can come on by living in the what ifs. You know, if this changes for me tomorrow, then I'll, I'll be happy. If this changes for me, then life will be good. Get the house I want, get the job I want. No, we want to not worry about tomorrow. Enjoy the day that God has given you. Enjoy today. So I just wrote down a few scriptures in relation to today. And remembering, you know, the, the disciples, they saw this relationship that Jesus had. He would have gone off by himself so many times every day. And then I thought, what is he doing again? But they saw that he had this relationship with his father that was so amazing that he did the things he saw the father doing. And he, and he wasn't rattled by people wanting to kill him. And he wasn't rattled by what the authorities of the day were doing because he was walking in the will of his father. And so they asked him to teach them to pray. And he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and it goes on and talks about um, this day, receive daily bread. This day. You know, there's food He wants to give us naturally, but also spiritually today. He wants to feed you spiritually. It's interesting, in the wilderness, the, in the Old Testament, the follow, followers, when Moses led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they were given manna as bread. And it's interesting, the manna only lasted a day. They tried collecting it, it went rotten. Why? Because God wanted a daily awareness that God is our provider. So often I think, and true of my own life, I try and build my own securities around myself, thinking I'll be happier in those securities. But you're not, because the only security we really need in this world is the security of having Jesus in our lives, knowing he's the good shepherd of our souls. The Bible also talks about that his mercy is new every morning. That's a good thing, isn't it? We can start every day with the mercy of God. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't have to live out of the failures of yesterday. They don't need to be dragged with me into today. I can live out of your mercy today. Now, this is an important one I want to quickly mention from 1 Peter 5, 7. It tells us that we're to cast our care upon Jesus because he cares for us. That's a good word, isn't it? Cast your care upon Jesus. How often do you cast your care upon Jesus? Daily? Daily? Every other day, weekly, monthly. When's the last time you cast your care upon Jesus? Because the interesting thing is 1 Peter 5, 7, the following verse says, For the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is an interesting thing. People mention that he's a roaring lion. They might mention that we should cast our cares upon him. But in the original language, it was actually one thought. So what it's saying is this. When you don't cast your care upon Jesus, you then leave yourself open for the enemy to attack you because he is a roaring lion. He has a certain degree of authority. It's limited. But if we allow him to have reign of our day and our cares and our concerns, he has a degree where he comes in and attacks us, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so why would you wait to cast your care upon Jesus weekly? Why not, when you want to do it daily, any time care comes upon you through your day, you say, God, I just give that to you. That concern is too much for me to handle. I'm not you, God. I can't fix that, but you can. I'm going to give that to you and then invite the peace of God, which passes all understanding, to take you above how it might normally make you feel and think and then you live out your day in the peace of God. And so often I meet Christians who wait weeks before they tell Jesus about their problems. You don't need to. Tell him Daily cast your care upon him don't let the enemy have a foothold in your life unload on Jesus he wants us to do that you know pride the pride of man the pride of life often tries to make us want to fix ourselves and then come to Jesus Yet, Russ mentioned a scripture this morning that tells us that we should boldly come before his throne of grace and find help in our time of need boldly doesn't say fix yourself then come to me it says boldly come before his throne of grace. His throne speaks of his authority. He has authority to forgive and to heal and to restore you. He says, boldly come before my throne of grace and find help in your time of need. And I believe he wants us to do this daily. In Psalm 23, we see that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You know what, today, if the Lord's not your shepherd, you will be in want. But if the Lord's your shepherd, you shall not be in In want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Isn't that amazing? He makes me. He knows what it is you need today. Every one of you here today, he knows the food you need. He knows the fresh touch of his spirit that you need. And if you would get alone with him, the Bible says if you'll get alone with him, he will reward you. When I saw that word reward, because my mind was a bit world, I thought, reward must mean money. Must be some reward if I get alone with him. And I studied it up. What does it mean? It was nothing to do with that at all. It was to do with his presence. The reward is his presence. If you'll get alone with him, he'll reward you with his presence. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, hypocrites, the religious people who want to be seen, want to be noticed. Get alone with me and your heavenly father will see that, your heart, to want to know him. And he'll reward you with his presence. So he makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. Who doesn't need the refreshing of the Holy Spirit? Who doesn't need that? You know, Jesus was speaking to a uh, Samaritan woman one day and he asked her to draw water. And we know, fam- uh, might be familiar with the story, but Samaritan's or, you know, Jew would never ask a Samaritan to draw water. She would be seen as unclean, yet he asked her to draw water. And uh, then he told her her life history, how she'd had many husbands, many failures in her life. And he said to the woman, if only you knew who stood before you today, the one who not only is it's not about the water, the the ordinary water, it's the living water is standing before you today. And if you just ask and drink, you would receive living water. He leaves me beside still waters. He wants to refresh you today. When's the last time you invited the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh, just to pour himself into you afresh? When's the last time you did that? He wants you to do that daily, daily. Invite him in. And then lastly, that part of the psalm, it says, that I want to focus on, it says, He restores my soul. Makes you lie down in green pastures, leads you beside still waters. He restores my soul. That literally means to turn back to, turn back to your first love. It's interesting, the Greek language is far actually richer than often our English language is. We might have a number of adjectives to describe nouns in the English language, but in the Greek, there's many more. So this word, to restore, means this. It means to recover. It means to refresh. It means to relieve. It means to repent. It means to, re- to rescue. Wow, who would not want all of that today? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, you know, I believe that religion is about a weekly relationship or a monthly or a ceremony. And, uh, You've heard of people, some people are called in your C of E, Christmas and Easter. That's when they might attend a church. But he wants a daily relationship for all the reasons I've mentioned. And this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice together and be glad in it. And just in winding up, which for any preacher means as long as it takes, and, uh, <laughs> but just to give you hope there's an end to something, that uh, he also wants us to worship him in spirit. And in truth. And in John 4 21 to 24, you know, speaking about the illustration with the Samaritan woman meeting Jesus at the well, Jesus goes on later and says to her, You Samaritans, you you worship on this mountain, and we Jews, we worship in Jerusalem. But a day is coming when true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And you might think, What is that? Spirit and in truth. Is it something that we don't even really realize what it could be? But it's actually quite simple. Spirit means the Spirit of God is everywhere. He's with us here today. The truth is the truth of God's word here today. So being a true worshipper is living your day by the spirit of God who lives in you today. Not tomorrow or the Sunday or the Monday, whatever it might be, but to live it today. And he says these type of worshippers are hard to find. So Jesus must have recognised that many people who say they want to know him but only want to come to him occasionally when there's a big drama, a big problem, something where they need an answer. But he says, don't be like that, he says. Be a true worshipper. Worship me in spirit. I'm everywhere, every part of your day. And worship me in truth. And, and, and as, as an aside to that, I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit rather is the same. When do we need the fruit of the Spirit? It's to be on a day-to-day basis when I need patience when I haven't got it. It's on a day-to-day basis you know, on all those fruits of the Spirit that we need you know, expressed in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Live as a Christian in spirit and in truth. This is a type of worshippers that he seeks, he desires to find. So in closing... This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You have a choice to see Jesus today in your day, to see a new view, to see that 360 degree panoramic view, to just be blown away by how much God loves you, how much he's got a vision for your life, how much he wants you to impact this world. Because it's not all about me. If you didn't realize, it's about others. Jesus Christ came to set that example that we would serve and love others. He demonstrated that to see the view of the need around us. The Bible says with the same comfort you've received, comfort others. So as you spend time with Jesus today and feel his comfort, feel his love and, and, and are stirred by the word of God, you can call someone up and out of the comfort you've received, comfort someone else, else and encourage someone else. See the good. See others today all around you. Be glad you're saved. We're just passing through And if you don't know Jesus today, I'd encourage you, just get alone somewhere and just ask your Heavenly Father. Invite Him to show you Jesus. Invite Him to give you an understanding of what Jesus did. Find a Bible somewhere in your house. Most people have one somewhere. Open the book of Mark. Start to read and start to invite the Holy Spirit to show you the truth of what God did by sending His Son Jesus into this world. He wants to give you a new view today. A new view of how amazing he is and how much he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible view. You've opened up this new and living way. You've opened our eyes to see spiritually what's really going on and how much we needed a saviour, how much we needed forgiveness, how much we needed to turn from our sin and receive that incredible grace and forgiveness in our lives. And so I pray for every one of us here today, those of you listening, you you haven't accepted him yet. And those of you who know Jesus, spend some time today alone with him and ask him to give you a view of how glorious he is and how much he loves you. Amen.